I'm Ariane Elfant, and this is Death the Podcast. Death may be defined as the destruction or permanent end of something. At Death the Podcast, we are looking closely at what happens when something ends. We listen, learn about, and discuss the stories that surround the subject of death. These stories bring up much more than feelings of fear and sadness. They offer opportunities for connection, for hope, and sometimes even for humor. Ultimately, if we are open to exploring death, we create greater potential to experience life. Sally Rothstein and Annie Gerritsen are co-directors of Pikes Peak Threshold Singers, a chapter of Threshold Choir, which is a network of over 120 a cappella choirs in the United States and a handful of other countries. Their mission is to sing for and with those at the thresholds of life, mostly for people who are dying. Located in Colorado Springs, Colorado, Pikes Peak Threshold Singers offer singing two times weekly to individuals in Pikes Peak Hospice and Palliative Care's inpatient unit. Groups of three or four singers, when invited in, sing comforting lullaby-like songs designed to bring ease and peace in what can be one of life's most challenging times. Annie, a retired teacher and songwriter, and Sally, the regional manager of Project Angel Heart, an organization who brings meals to those with life-threatening illnesses, joined the choir in 2010. Since then, with Annie's original music as part of their repertoire, the two have been bringing peace and grace through song to the bedsides of the dying. Welcome Annie and Sally to Death the Podcast. Thank you so much. It's our pleasure to be with you. Thank you, Ariane. Tell me, how did each of you come to be involved with the Threshold Choir? Music has been a part of my life for a a long time. Grew up singing with my family and have integrated music in a variety of ways throughout my life. I uh, worked with Pikes Peak Hospice and Palliative Care, which happens to be the hospice in town here that we partner closely with. And in that experience, deepened my connection with end of life. And um, I was drawn to that because of my mother dying 21 years ago and wanted to be in an environment that was honest. As uh, It was the opportunity for the, like, the most honesty that I could imagine. Like if, if there were a moment to be honest in life, this, this is it. And so when the opportunity came in a more formal way to sing and be with people and bring my voice blended with other voices and hearts and to bring these beautiful songs to this most honest moment. Um, It was just uh, a spark that definitely was lit inside. And in the last six years, that spark is a continuing spark and uh, continues to get brighter and brighter. So it's, um, it's, it's just been a joy to find this place to be with others who love doing the same thing together. Uh, for me, when I first heard about it, I thought I just love the idea of music as service because I have been Uh, a singer-songwriter on kind of a small scale, but even so, uh, performance anxiety and trying to bring uh, what my small audience might want to hear came to me as pressure and an expectation that I had some difficulty in fulfilling or at least thinking about. And 
so to turn it around and actually use music in this way has been fulfilling beyond my wildest imagination. The initial idea was, oh great, let's just take some of the onus off of me. And then to realize, oh my gosh, look what it is doing, not only for the patients for whom we sing, but their families, and then how it comes back around to us. It has really exceeded my wildest expectations. In terms of like the composition of the group, how how is it that people become a member um, of your group? We, we, we love where we have landed in that we don't uh, recruit. So we wait for people to hear and learn about us on their own. And then when they reach out, it's something that they are connecting with deep in, in themselves that um, initiates kind of the, the whole process. And so as much as anything, it's, We've realized actually recently that we 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 don't audition a voice. It's like we audition the person, if you will. And so we sit to sit down and have coffee together, the three of us, Annie, myself, and whoever's interested, and we just get to learn about each other, know about each other, and on a on a heart level, on a on a connection level, it, it, is this the right fit? Um, and, and we speak very, very openly about that, that it just needs to feel right for everybody. The three qualities that Kate Munger initially described in terms of the expectations for people who might sing as a threshold choir member were that they convey kindness with their voices, that they blend their part in a trio, and that they can hold their part in a trio. I, I think we take that, I think in our group, we just happen to take that even a little bit further in that the bond among us is as important as the voices blending. And in, in fact, contributes to our ability to blend and deliver that music the most beautiful way possible in that moment. How do y'all get a feel for somebody's emotional readiness for what it is that this process, I imagine, can um, tap into? So we, we like to build into the process of somebody exploring joining our organization or all of us exploring a new person joining our group. We build space into that process. So we talk about up front the, the qualities and the, um, the, the experiences that this is, that singing at bedside with people who are along the spectrum of life um, and and highlighted because it is at the end of life. And so talk about that. And um, we actually, because we partner so closely with Pikes Peak Hospice and Palliative Care, each of our members goes through their wonderful training as well. So they, they have an, uh, now the ability to check in even more deeply with themselves and also um, receive more training and more support and and then it's a and then it's a process um and sometimes you know what i could be in this group for five years and in my fifth year i could be unemotion uh, in, in an emotional place that i can't do this right now and so maybe i need to take a break uh, whether that's for a couple of months or a week or a year so we we try ariane and 
and just be really open to where we are, where each of us is, and then support making the right choices for the service that we're doing together. And I would also contribute that when we have that initial sit down with someone, we ask them where they are in uh, yeah. their journey as far as their beliefs about death, their recent experiences with someone who may have died. Because sometimes people are drawn to singing with us if they've had a recent event in their lives and they're um, feeling like that would be a service they would uh, want to contribute to themselves. I can see how like they're one could have an intellectual understanding of all of this and also, you know, feel strongly that 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 you could handle it and that it would be great. And then the emotional intensity of the live moment, I imagine, is like really in this space beyond words. And um, until you're there, it would be hard to know how you would feel. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, in our service, what we do is offer our singing. And then if we're invited in, then we sing. So we go to a series of doors and offer. And honestly, you cannot anticipate what will be inside because you might open the door and have a room full of people. You might open the door and have a person who is really in their last breaths. And so you just have to be ready for a variety of experiences because you can't know. So, so logistically, that's how it works is that when there's a day that you're there, you go, you go to each room and knock on the door? Yes. This is true for our um, threshold group. Um, other threshold groups have different s scenarios, but ours is that we have um, per beautiful access to an inpatient, a hospice inpatient unit. And so it's a 16-bed unit, and uh, we are scheduled every Tuesday morning and every Saturday morning um, to sing. And so um, we, we go room to room and ask um, people if they would like or family members if they would like singing. And um, so that, that logistically for our group, that's how, how it works. So if a person says, yes, I would love for you to come in and sing, maybe could you walk me through what that looks like from, from your perspective? I, I would like to just interject here that sometimes a person may not be able to respond to us when we ask if they would like singing for them. They may be in the later stages of dying. And so we have to make a judgment call whether it's appropriate to sing for them or not. So we may um, ascertain from everything that we feel in the room that this is a fitting time to sit down and sing with them. And we still speak to them as if they are completely able to hear us because it, it is my belief, and I believe I share it with many of us, that hearing is one of the last things to go. And so we want to honor that person where they are in their journey. And so we would introduce ourselves. We would tell them why we're there. And then we would invite them if there's anything that doesn't feel good to them, if they can show us in whatever way they can, um, that they would like us to stop. And it's unusual that that happens, but occasionally a person might might be a little bit agitated by it. But in general, that's not how it goes. We attend to how we, even how we enter the room, 
Um, we, if there, let's say there are three of us, which is a likely scenario, then one person is the kind of the, the lead. And so that the energy is more focused and, and we're providing the most comfort and that, that we're not really requesting that person who is there to attend to all of us, you know, so that it really can be more of a one-on-one -on -one interaction if there is interaction. We come in quietly. We have small stools that we just sit close to the bed, um, we, and we try and assess where where the best place might be to to sit. And then we quietly begin singing. And there's a, there's a particular song that we often start with because it's so. Um, what would you call it? It's just so such an easy song. In fact, it's called Rest Easy. So it's it's not it's just a very welcoming, quiet, easy song to start with. And then we we just then tune in to each other. We tune in to the people that we're with. We like to provide space and quiet between the songs to try and many people consider it a performance you know that's kind of how we're trained that when someone sings you clap and so we 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 do our best to just invite um more of a quiet easy moment i just was interested to hear the song that you just mentioned in terms of like an opening sure to to like an opening to going into somebody's room because um, now i'm trying to imagine this whole scene and it seems like that would be a rich way to illustrate it Sure. You bet. And really want to give credit to the songwriter here, whose name is Marilyn Power Scott. And she is legendary and I would say iconic within the Threshold Choir for having created one of our, uh, well, she is one of our, <laughs> our best loved songwriters and yes. a, a really wonderful person. So. Easy let every trouble drift away. Easy, rest easy. Love and hold you and hold you Sorry, I have a little frog in there right now. Oh, I didn't hear the frog at all. Oh, I, good. I, what I heard was beautiful <laughs> and, and so relaxing. Perfect. You know, we sort of fell into something uh, years ago um, in terms of taking these little stools with us. This is just a little tidbit that really has changed the energy when we walk into a room. 
because when we first started doing this, we would stand at the bedside and there's an inequality there. When we're standing and this over. person is, yes, we're standing over and the person is in the bed and there's also uh, some sensation that it is a performance then. And when we switch to sitting down and being closer with the patient, it totally changed the feel of it. And it feels like we're enfolded into the situation rather than being apart from it, if that makes any sense. And it feels like then we can stay a little bit longer and not that we just have to, you know, sing and, and go really quickly. Right, right. Yeah, I, I, when you mentioned about the stools, I didn't, I didn't know that. And that, that does seem more like th that you're forming, a, you're forming a group and a bond in that way that you're, that you're guests rather mm -hmm. than... We're, we're with people. Yeah, yeah. I also, the other thing I was struck by is it had not occurred to me how you would assess somebody who couldn't respond, like um, how you would make that decision about whether it felt like the right thing to do to go in or, or it didn't. Um, you guys, your senses must be just on fire <laughs> with all of this. Well, as you know, in, in the work you do, you become attuned to even the small movements of somebody's eyebrow or a crinkle of the, the face or, um, and so we pay attention to those things. Sometimes we don't necessarily know what they mean, but we're always attending to and we'll, we'll connect with each other. And, and we might raise our own eyebrows to each other and say, what do you think? Is that, is that somebody being agitated or is that somebody just moving? Um, and so, which feels really good. Um, it's nice to be, well, this work is about being with people and wherever they are. And so it's really nice not to necessarily react to every single thing that happens because it is just what is happening in the moment. And so we try and pay attention to when we need to know, is it something that we're doing that is contributing to discomfort? Um, otherwise, let's just trust um, and, and uh, know that it is, that, that we, that it is still comfortable. If you have people who, who are able to speak, did they are they typically like repeat customers where they'll ask that you come again? Are there people that you're able to form relationships with over a period of time? We, we definitely, people do ask if we'll come back. And because of where we sing in this inpatient unit, it's more of an acute care kind of unit. And so in this, in this specific, um, in our circumstance, Many times it's new people every week, although there often are repeat um, people. We might sing for someone two or three or four times, which is a real treat for all of us when that happens. So when we're singing with um, uh, our, our standard bi-weekly or uh, twice every week, then that's the situation. We can also be, uh, we, we do get requests to sing for somebody in their home um, as well. And sometimes those are repeat requests. Many of the threshold groups across the country and in other, uh, in other communities, they, they might have a longer term relationship with someone because most of the hospice care in their community is at home um, and they don't have access to an inpatient unit like we do. So we always really treasure 
um, when that connection gets to be beyond the, um, beyond that moment. And um, it really also then means that we just feel really grateful for that moment, not knowing whether somebody will be there um, again, because maybe they have died, maybe they've gone home, maybe they've gone and moved to a long-term care facility. So it really, it really accentuates just being in the moment and being really grateful for that, that moment. One thing that we have done as well is we, uh, for three years, we have now been offering what we call song circles and to our community. And so four to five times a year, we sit in this lovely chapel and set up a circle of chairs and anywhere from 40 to 60 people come every single time. And so when it's making me think, what made me think of, of sharing this right now is your question about ongoing relationships, because in that circle, these are our friends that we get to sing with and their friends. And so we do get this beautiful experience of having the ongoing relationship in this way and sharing these songs. And we invite our guests to sing with us um, in the evening as well. And it's become, um, it really does fulfill um, that desire and that it, it fulfills um, what is um, it fulfills what is fulfilling about having those ongoing relationships through these songs and through our voices. Yeah, and some people come just because they like the music. Some people come because they are either in the midst of grieving or have had a recent loss. And these experiences can be transformative. You know, song can really take us from one place to another and is truly so soothing. And also it's not limited to just uh, transforming grief and loss. All of this has helped us appreciate life, you know, from having spent time with people who are dying, being with those who are accompanying people who are dying, and uh, helps us see that, you know, this life is finite and there is so much to celebrate in it and so when we sing in these song circles, we also sing songs that are joyful, that we want to share with all of our listeners that, uh, hey, we're all in this together. Isn't this a great thing that we get to blend our voices together in this moment? I imagine that this would be hard and that it sounds like every experience you have has has a really poignant nature to it. But if there's one that stands out to you that would um, feel good to share... There are many, and uh, one of my favorite stories to share is uh, from a time early on when I had joined Pikes Peak Threshold Singers, and Sally and our friend Doris and I were singing together. Doris was actually the idea, the person who brought the idea of, of singing in this way to Colorado Springs. And uh, we were pretty new at this, and it was my turn to be in charge. And when you're relatively new, at least in my experience, uh, it can be scary and intimidating because you don't know what you'll find when you knock on the door. But in, in the time I'm recalling, uh, the door was open just a little bit, and from inside the room I heard some kind of ball game on. 
And so I immediately thought, oh, interesting ball game. That's curious. I wonder what, what's happening in there. And so I sort of timidly knocked on the door. And when I went in, uh, the patient was maybe in his 50s. And he had a brother who I think was a little bit younger. And they were talking and this ball game was on. And my stereotypical response in my head was, oh, here's a couple of guys watching a ball game, having a chat. And probably the last thing they want is to hear some music from, you know, kind of little old ladies <laughs> that want to sing to them. And and yet our, our protocol is that we offer. And so I did offer and there was just a very slight hesitation and, and the fellow said, yeah, I think I would really enjoy that. And so I was surprised by that. But I was even more surprised by what happened following that. So we sang our first song and he had been watching us for a while. And then at some point he closed his eyes and he kept his eyes closed a little bit. And then I wasn't quite sure how to proceed. But I, I asked again if he would like another song. And he said, oh, yes, I would like another song. But first, I have a question for you. And I said, sure. And he opened his eyes and he looked at us and he said, so have you ever seen auras around people? And I said, I haven't, but I would love to know about that. Have you had that kind of an experience? And he said, yes. And it was around the three of you <laughs> as you were singing to me. And his brother, who is sitting by his bedside, said, you know, I really think that it's God's way of pulling back the veil for you to see what's in store for you. And honestly, you could have knocked me over with a feather because it was so contrary to the experience that I was expecting when we went into that room. Hmm. Wow, that's quite a story. Yeah. That's just one of the reasons why we do what we do. <laughs> yeah. It's beautiful. Do you have one you would like to share with us, Sally? It, definitely. And, and uh, there really are so many. One, one that comes to mind that um, was very poignant for me. In fact, I was just relaying it recently to Annie, and, and I just could bring up the emotion again very easily because singing singing goes to places um, in our experience that, that, that nothing else goes to that same place in that same way. And it, it invites and it offers something when, when people bring, let it in. So we were singing with um, a husband and a wife and the wife was dying and she was fairly close at that point. She was not verbal. And um, we went into the room and the, the husband seemed to want to 
participate in the singing. And a lot of our songs, because they are written um, by our uh, members of our threshold group, a lot of the songs people don't know. And so, and, and yet we do have songs that we sing that people do know. And, and this one happened to be Swing Low, Sweet, Sweet Chariot. And it was just lovely because it, it's such a familiar song. So as we started singing, he, he, he joined in. And as we continued singing, he got closer and closer physically to his wife. And um, throughout the song, he was then kneeling by her bed and by her, he the, her head. And he was so engaged with her. And the song just seemed to be this way that he could be with her. And when it got to the, the verse, when I even realized that the, the verse that was coming was all about when you get there before I do, tell all the angels I'm coming to. And I thought, oh, wow, we're about to sing this really, this, th these words that are so about this moment. And, um, and he so sweetly saying those words to her. Well, of course she was going to get there before he, he did. I mean, it was just so honest. And, and it was, I was so grateful that we were able to facilitate this moment, um, that something in us, you know, let us be there and to be with them in their moment in this just really sacred, sacred moment between a husband and a wife. And there we were all singing together and he was singing that to her. It was beautiful. I can only imagine for people where so much of the experience of dying is so isolating um, and kind of disconnected from the joy and purity of, of others' voices and song and life, um, that bringing that into a room in the ways in which you do and the, the ways you just described with these experiences you've had, I mean, that's incredibly special. Thank you. Can yeah. I can I ask for y'all to maybe sing one more song before we close out? our conversation We'd absolutely we'll just have to pick which one we want to do rest in each breath let it soothe let it soften rest in each breath rest Rest in each breath, let it soothe, let it soften, rest in each breath, rest, rest in each breath, let it soothe, let it soften, rest in each breath, rest. Wow. Thank you. Well, and to credit the songwriter, Annie, 
Garretson wrote that song. She did. <laughs> <laughs> she did a great job. <laughs> That's incredibly beautiful. Thank you. You know, and you make me think that music really is the gateway, it seems. We step into rooms sometimes and there is such emotion there. And when we begin singing, it's like it gives people permission to release what they've been holding until that moment. Absolutely. And what an opportunity Absolutely. for us, you know, right. to right. supply that. Yes. So Sally Rothstein and Annie Gerritsen, um, co-directors of Pikes Peak Threshold Singers, thank you so much for being with us today on Death the Podcast. We're so happy to have an opportunity to talk about what we love to do. It's really been a joy. Thank you, Ariane. The word death evokes all sorts of personal feelings, images, and stories. These stories are amazing, and sharing them connects us more fully to life. I'm Ariane Elfont, and you have been listening to Death the Podcast. Join us for our next episode in this series. This show is produced and engineered by Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Jill Gross. Our theme music, It Happened, is written by David Milling and is performed by David Milling and Charles Milling. To hear more of David's music, go to his website, davidmilling.com. Our social media director is Jolie Robichaud. If you're listening to this on iTunes or Stitcher or some other podcast app, if you can take a moment to rate and review us, that helps other people find us. You can find Death the Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram or at deaththepodcast.com. Death the Podcast is a production of INO Broadcasting. Day signals the unofficial end of summer, but not the end of your outdoor projects. Lowe's helps you do it right and helps you save with Labor Day deals throughout the store. Shop now and get two bags of Stay Green Potty Mix for $12. And keep your lawn looking neat and trim with a Craftsman 2-Cycle 17-inch gas string trimmer now $20 off at just $119. Whatever's still on your to-do list this Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 828. Soil offer excludes Alaska and Hawaii, U.S. only.